Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chaddock. Join host Karen Doyle Buckwalter for an insightful, informative, and inspiring conversation with leading researchers, authors, and clinicians discussing issues in attachment theory. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. Today, Karen concludes her conversation with Tim Galvin about attachment conversations in love relationships. Part one of her final set of interviews in the Family Therapy series with Carol Gammer will be released on Tuesday, November 15th. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. I am your host, Karen Doyle Buckwalter, joining you here from Chaddock for another episode. We are continuing our series in looking at family therapy and attachment theory. And today I am going to be introducing our guest, who is Tim Galvin. So, some of you who may have listened to the beginning, of this series when Michelle Robison interviewed me may recall that I talked about being in a two-year postmaster's marriage and family therapy training program through Menier Clinic. And Tim Galvin, who I'm going to interview today, happens to have been one of my instructors there. And I just remember learning so much from him. He had this way of being very practical about marriage and about concepts that were being written about in marriage and family therapy. He always had these really wonderful, very pithy, to the point comments that really stuck with you. So I'm just really, really excited that I was able to track him down after all of these years. What is incredible is that I called him on the day that he was cleaning out his office for retirement. So I feel like, you know, it was meant to be that I was able to find him in order to have him be part of this series. So let me get to a little bit about his background. He has a Master of Social Work from the University of Missouri in Columbia. He graduated with that in 1978. He has had a lot of different faculty and teaching positions. He taught at the Washington University School of Social Work in St. Louis and also the St. Louis Medical School Department of Psychiatry in St. Louis. Something else I find so interesting about him that I have not come across very often is not only is he a licensed clinical social worker, but he is also um, a licensed marriage and family therapist. And he has worked um, in the field of marriage and family therapy for his entire career. And I was so fortunate to be able to sit under his instruction through the marriage and family therapy program at Menier Clinic, which is a really fabulous part of my career development. So without further ado, I am going to bring him on. Stay tuned just a minute and we will be with Tim Galvin. 
Supporting children and families who have experienced great loss and endured extreme trauma is a daunting task. At Chaddock, we have the experience and longevity to understand the type of support needed to keep the best and brightest engaged with this work. In January, the Knowledge Center at Chaddock will launch the next session of the Developmental Trauma and Attachment Institute for helpers who seek to be rejuvenated and revitalized in their work with children and families. This type of renewal and confidence is a natural byproduct of gaining specialized knowledge, advanced skills, consultation, guidance, mentorship, and most importantly, being in a community providing the experience of being seen and understood. We have designed an experience and a soft place to land where all of these needs will be met in one central place. For more information on the Developmental Trauma and Attachment Institute, to join the waitlist for more information or to sign up, visit tkcchaddock.org. Hey Tim, welcome back to the podcast. It's so good to have you here. Yep. All the years ago when I met you, I couldn't imagine I'd be interviewing you on a podcast, but you know, whatever, <laughs> things just happen, right? <laughs> so we were talking last week about um, family therapy, family systems theory, the idea that we, we work with everybody and not just one individual. Um, towards the end of that segment, we were talking about um, children becoming symptomatic as a way to keep the parents together and, and mm -hmm. distract from the difficulty between parents. Um, we're not saying that every childhood difficulty is that, but we're just saying this is something to be considered. I think another way that people have meant talk about that is children becoming a lightning rod for mm -hmm. difficulties between the couple. That was an idea that I, you know, really stuck in my mind similar idea i suppose yeah. yeah well again um you know the parents marriage is is the basis of security um for the kids and when they see that that is greatly distressed and and the threat of it coming apart which, which again any kid that goes to school has a you know a handful of friends whose parents have gotten divorced and they talk about it mm -hmm. so when marital distress happens in families, it's not unusual for kids, uh, school age kids, to begin to wonder and worry if their parents are going to get divorced. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it said a child's world is a small world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the, the source of security and predictability and um, uh, uh, just the, the safety of their life hinges on um their perception and experience of their parents marriage as i mentioned kids not only attach to mom and dad but they also attach themselves to that parents marriage mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. again a, a part of the security that they feel i'm sure that over the years you've had to um find ways to i'm sure you've had couples that are divorcing um, yeah. And you've been working with them to find ways to do that in in a way that's um, the least disruptive or harmful to their children. Mm -hmm. Are there any thoughts that come to mind, like if this marriage is going to end? Um, you know, are are there there's obviously better or worse ways that that happens? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, I encourage parents all the time, both parents, to spend more time with their kids, to talk to the kids about what's happening, 
to the best of their knowledge, talk about what's going to happen, mm-hmm. um, what look like. People are going to move out. I mean, that that's the real trauma to children when one parent is no longer living in the home, especially mm-hmm. young children, because they're more concrete in, in their thinking. Uh, but parents have to have to give kids information and talk to them about what's happening and also spend time with their kids so their kids have time because it's not something kids just can start talking about. You know, you, you've got to spend time with them and and um, um, encourage them to share with you what their concerns are or what their questions are and and do things with them and give them time to kind of process this unimaginable uh, event that uh, may be happening at that very moment in their lives. Mm-hmm. And of course, kids don't want to upset their parents uh, to the extent they are experiencing the loss of a parent or a parent disappearing they don't want to do anything uh, to make it worse. So kids can be very protective. Yes. Their parents and parents need to understand that and, and um, not let kids not talk because they don't mm-hmm. want to upset their parents. Yeah. You know, parents take the lead and, and uh, direct the relationship more. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Really helpful mm-hmm. thoughts about that. Yeah. So we uh, had mentioned last time that we wanted to talk about some of the family systems thinkers, uh, the big names uh, back in the day. Um, Uh And I don't know how many we'll be able to talk about with the time that we have left, but of course, most of my training is in Bowen systems theory and I feel I have always felt like there's overlap in those ideas with attachment theory and um, I'd like to know if you think that's the case um, and why yeah you know in in some ways family therapy has always been relational it's always had a relational basis to it yes um I really didn't. I really didn't kind of get the sense of of attachment um, being a kind of a driver, even though it was certainly acknowledged because we're talking about relationships and how people are seeing each other and getting along and understanding that relationship. Um, until I read uh, "Getting the Love You Want," uh, Harville Hendricks, and and I think I think he was talking more directly about attachment theory in his in his book. It's a terrific little book, and and you read the the um, the whole part about growing up in a family, and you wonder how we any of us ever made it out. But <laughs> it really is uh, sort of the first time I really got a sense of uh, of attachment theory uh, in a family therapy theory. Um, uh, but certainly, I mean, Mnuchin and uh, another group that had a huge impact on me was the Women's Project in Family Therapy. Betty Carter, Peggy Papp, Marion Walters, and Olga Silverstein. Olga Silverstein was tremendously influential to me um, with, with just understanding relationships. And, and of course, from at that time, 1988, when the book came out, from a woman's perspective. <laughs> That's when I really began to appreciate 
um, that a woman's perspective on relationships in life was different than a man's. Um, mm-hmm. Man, it was an eye opener to me. I think my female colleagues said, duh, but, <laughs> but that was, that was very uh, enlightening um, uh, to me to, to recognize that men and women really do look at it and have a different experience on families. What were some of the things that really stand out in your mind as you think back on that? Like if you had to say a few key points like, wow, this, this really opened my eyes. These, these women really taught me something here. Yeah. Well, the, the, the thing that really taught me something was, again, as a man, I think when there was a problem or an impasse or a misunderstanding, I would work to try to solve the problem. And, and part of that was explaining over and over and over again why I think the way I think. John Gottman does this, and it's it's sort of a, a joke he tells, but he says about his wife, Julie, you know, I've explained it 27 times, but I know if I explain it one more time, <laughs> that really is kind of a, a, a man's approach to working things out is if you could just understand me, I think you'd agree with me. I, I know that things will be better. And, and it, it's not about content, as you well know, uh, you know, in, in attachment theory, it's about relationship. It's about our hearts, not our minds. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's about our caring intention, you know, not our brilliance and coming up with words that uh, <laughs> speak it so well. Yes. But I, I realized that it was the relationship that these women were talking about and talking to. They were talking from a relational point of view to a relational point of view. And um, I, I mean, it, it was like a door opened in my brain that said, wow, I never thought that. I never understood that before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it really it, it changed my life. I mean, um, attachment theory studying it, practicing it, it, it's, it's really changed my life as a, as a person um, because I understand that life's about relationships. Yes. Uh, and, and the, the better we understand that and the more we practice being part of one that is both the giving and the, and the taking and the understanding um, um, the better life is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. All right. You've mentioned several times throughout this interview that um, it's not just an attachment relationship between a child and the parent, but there's an attachment to the marriage. What could you say a bit more about what you mean by that? Yeah. Um, you know, mar- I, I think I've said before, marriage in my mind is the foundation of civilization. <laughs> Uh, it, it, it brings two families together. It connects generations. Um, and marriages provide that platform. Um, I, I, now, now I'm using the floor and not the umbrella ceiling, but it provides both the platform and the cover for children to um, come into the world and be in a safe, loving environment to have more than one brain, but, you know, two brains. And if they have older sieves, more brains than that to help their brain develop. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, 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 it's the stability of the human uh, life. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and and when kids lose it, they really feel like they've lost something, and they have lost something. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, so so again, it's not just mom and dad, but it's that marriage that holds the home, the family, um, life together for kids and and, the, and their experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you work with people who grew up in a family where maybe a mother died young or or uh, a father lost or disappeared or abandoned. And, and um, even as young adults, they wonder what it would have been like had, you know, their mom not died or they, they, if their dad would have been there as they grew up. Um, they just, they just feel the, the loss of something. They feel mm-hmm. something. And uh, so that's why, that's why I think that's so important Mm-hmm. You, you think it's, I hear you saying you think it's part of kind of that, that safe haven, secure base. Yep. Um, get shaken. Yep. Get shaken. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Tim, getting back to some of the ideas of um, family systems, such as Bowen systems theory, and then, you know, some, some of the ideas of differentiation of self, for example, that we don't want to like merge with somebody else. Do you you feel like those ideas are contradictory to um, attachment thinking? No, I, um, I, I think they are part of attachment. Um, Sue Johnson talks about the more securely attached someone is in their primary relationships, the, the freer and safer they feel going out into the world and, uh, and differentiating themselves out in the world. Yes. Yes. in their lives and their relationships um, because they don't, they don't live with that constant anxiety or fear mm-hmm. uh, of uh, disappointment and, and rejection and abandonment that, that people who struggle with insecure relationships do. So I think secure attachment provides the opportunity uh, for differentiation on all levels. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think so too. And I think it's, there's confusion about this um, and the way these words are used and our culture of too much thinking about independence and Uh, codependency. And I I just think a lot of this gets very confused, but I think what, what your, it, it, it happens with children too. Like people will say, well, they have a very strong attachment, you know, cause they can't be separated from the mother cause they're crying and they're scared. And, and I have to help people understand, well, that, that, that's actually not strong attachment. That's insecure attachment. Yeah. It's, it's a yeah. form, you know, insecure attachment manifests in different ways, as you know. Um, but that that's, that's not secure attachment because like you're saying, the more secure we feel in that relationship, the more, fuel we have to explore that big scary world out there and other relationships yeah you know it's, it's funny in the last half of the last century uh the definition of the mature adult was someone who was autonomous independent self-sufficient uh, i remember in the 80s the stone center which was a women's uh therapy project really pushed back on that uh because they said that's what men think men are um, oh. but that 
completely eliminates women's lives and women's world. And that was that whole relationship thing. And I, th I thought to myself, isn't it funny? It really actually is delusional thinking that a human being could be those three things. <laughs> We're still striving. Many people still are striving to be that. I know, I know. And striving is the word because it's unattainable. Because because we are we are most differentiated. We are most capable of being ourselves and doing the things that we do when we are securely attached. Yes. Which, which is you know, which is ironic, but it's true. It's true. It's true. Yeah. So you, you you mentioned, I believe, Whitaker and Mnuchin. What are some things that come to mind with either of them that you feel were really important tenets of family systems work? Well, the the I, I spent the summer of 1985 in Philadelphia at the Child Guidance Clinic doing their summer internship. Um, and and again, the, the thing I was looking for was um, really perfect that process with families of conflict resolution, closer relationships. Um, and, and as I said, I, I, relationships really hadn't clicked for me until in the later 80s. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I you know, really liked the fact that, that people were sitting with families together. Uh, Braulio Montalvo told a story about a young man who came to his office and told him that Braulio Montalvo had seen his family 10, year, 10 years earlier. He was 14 years old. And it made all the difference in the world to how the family moved forward after that, uh, that he had seen them all together and they were talking. And uh, he really put him on a, a totally different track as a, a family. And everybody had done well. And he just thought Braulio Montalvo should should know that, and uh, um, I I loved Braulio Montalvo. Actually, he was such a humble man. He said, "You know, it reminded me that we're in the business of hope, mm. and and we we can see individuals and work with individuals. It's a wonderful thing, but when there's when there's you know problems embedded in relationships." You really do give people hope when you bring other people in and they can sit and talk and you can help them listen and understand each other and respond differently to each other. Um, you know, as we as we know, because of Sue Johnson's work, people get into negative cycles. They, they begin to assume things about each other that uh, aren't terribly helpful to making the relationship better. But if they can come in and sit down together and listen and talk and and try to put themselves in the other person's shoes, it, it makes a huge difference in their, the ability of the other person to respond. Mm -hmm. There's compassion, mm -hmm. you know, when there's empathy, when, when there's some understanding, I get where you're coming from. I didn't know that. Um, mm -hmm. And Montalva tells a story and I, and I think, wow, that we don't get that much in our work. People coming back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Certainly hope. That's what happens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that to me is the value of seeing people together is not, you know, not only do you work out problems, but you work out relationships, which is the vehicle that's going to work out the problems in the future. Gosh, that's really so true. Yeah. That's so true because the problem is a symptom. Yeah. That's not usually the root. Yeah. Um, 
and there's always going to be problems in life. Uh, but if you if you can help that that you know family work out a relationship where no matter what the problem, we've got a way a, a vehicle together to talk about it and figure it out and be there for each other. Uh, it sure makes life a lot easier. Yes. And I think that's the value of, of a good family life. Is that yeah. you're not alone? Yes. So what about um, structural family therapy? Going, going back to some of these ideas, what, for listeners that may not be familiar with what that even is, like how would you sum that up? Well, I, um, one of the things I liked about it was that um, Mnuchin let parents know that they're responsible. You know, it, it, the hierarchy was something he really focused on. And, and a lot of times he felt that the problems in the family were because the parents were abdicating that role, that responsibility to sort of lead and direct, which parents need to do. That's very important. Uh, but they were abdicating that responsibility and, and uh, you know, being neglectful or not paying attention or reacting in a way that really wasn't very helpful. And, and, and a lot of work he did was get the parents together and get them to begin to do things that are more constructive in the family relationships, mm-hmm. setting back, um, aging uh, family members more directly. And uh, yes, that I, that I thought was very helpful. Yeah. Because um, sometimes I've worked with families um, where the children are, being treated like and acting like peers with the parents. Yep. Yep. And, um, you know, it's, it's very obvious to me, but it's not when I share it with the parents, they're shocked. Like, like it's obvious to them after I talk with them about some of this, Mm -hmm. but they just really don't realize it's happening. So that's one pattern. I've seen another pattern is when parents are abdicating um, an older adolescent takes over and there can be a lot of, well, cruelty. Like, you know, adolescents are not really in the best brain space to be parenting younger siblings. And, And so I'll have to talk to families about, you know, if there's a vacuum of leadership, yep. someone will fill yep. it. I'm, right. Yeah, I imagine you've seen things like this as well. I saw a great deal of that in, um, in uh, working with uh, child abuse and neglect. Um, uh, just there being a vacuum of leadership. Um, and uh, like you said, I, uh, you know, one of the things I dealt a lot with were abusive adolescent siblings to younger kids uh the parents weren't dealing with either one Mm -hmm. uh, which you know is very problematic Mm -hmm. there should not be made to be responsible uh for running families yes yeah for their sake and the family's sake and and i do think that we've had some cultural things that have caused families to parents to think the the right approach is a democracy (laughs) right right um and um you know i'm all for you know hearing children's thoughts and feelings of course um but there is a difference between giving up all leadership and authority and 
letting your children have a voice like yeah yeah i in my family with my kids i said this is not a democracy it's a hypocrisy and i'm a cheater <laughs> tell you to do i don't care if it's inconsistent with what i've done before or not yeah yeah it, but but you know again it's it's part of their responsibility and if we think about the needs of children even teenagers um you know an engaged caring informed parent is irreplaceable i mean that is such an important relationship for kids to have in their life and know that they have it it's there mm -hmm. and if it happens it's going to be there they're not alone mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's here in in human experiences you're in a tough situation and you're all alone nobody's going to be there for you mm -hmm. nobody's going to understand if things go wrong you're going to get blamed nobody's going to understand uh, nobody, no human being does well in those circumstances, especially, mm -hmm. especially kids. Mm -hmm. I think that there are um, two people, maybe we can wind down with this, but there's sure. two women whose careers I have followed very closely that I do feel, you know, have kept beating the drum of family systems ideas. And that's Mary Pfeiffer and Harriet Lerner. Yeah. Mary Pfeiffer, even looking bigger anthropolo anthropological perspectives. Um, I, but I read every book they write and tell, you know, I, I tell everybody the dance of anger, like uh -huh. I, I'll, I'll pick them up at, if I see one, you know, at a used bookstore. I, I, I keep a stash literally because I always want one to give to somebody. I just think it's so classic, but. Um, that is an iconic book. <laughs> she was a vinegar, you know, in Topeka. Of course. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But Mary, um, Mary Piper wrote a book. I've read it 10 times or more. Letters to a Young Therapist. It is it is just absolutely a delight to read. It is. I, I really love that book. Uh, I love that and, book, too. And just uh, writing it's just so soothing so mm -hmm. soothing. yeah because i yeah. think um <coughs> i have to edit that out um it nowadays we the thing that i love about that book among many things letters to a young therapist by mary pfeiffer folks that's what we're talking about is the simplicity of it because yeah. we have become so specialized with our techniques and so manualized and you know this is what you do and this is the technique and this is the model and now i'm certified in this you know uh, I, I, and i i'm all about all that i i i love to learn that there's um an elegance to the simplicity of that book like like don't forget these basic things that's right karen those are two great words for that book elegant simplicity and and it's such a soothing book to read it just is so reassuring in so many ways mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah she uh she is really something yeah yeah well i know that we are running out of time i do 
Thank you for sharing with us some of your ideas and your um, training and your experience and your examples um, about family therapy. I want to keep these ideas forefront. I, I feel like sometimes they're being forgotten and I think that that's not helpful to the kids and families we work with. Yeah, it's a rich history. Mm-hmm. We're great thinkers and, and compassionate practitioners. Um, yes, yes. So, and I know you, I know you're writing some different papers and things. Are there, is there anywhere, and you've done some, you've done many men's groups, but is there any information you would like to share with listeners about finding you or um, anything like that at the moment? I, I'm, I'm pretty obscure, um, but uh I, I am online, and uh, if people want to look me up, it's Tim Galvin, uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Um, yes. And I'm happy to respond to questions or comments or requests that people have uh, just to help the growth and development of our field. It's so important what we yes. do. Yes. So thank you again so much for your time. All right, Karen, thank you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. Please follow our site, tkcchaddock.org, or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts for future episodes. If you enjoy our podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please visit tkcchaddock.org. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory. 